Good afternoon, good morning, or wherever you are. We <laughs> are back. Happy New Year, folks. The Ponders have returned after a few, a month or two away, having a break. Uh, my name's Dave Matthews. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Nick Madden. Oh, I'm just wiping the snow off my face, Dave. It is a bit cold. <laughs> it's a bit freezing. For those of you who haven't... The, pond's, the pond is frozen. The pond has frozen. For those of you who haven't heard, but we have been back in England for the last month, uh, enjoying some time with our family over the Christmas period, but we are due back in America next week, but we are actually bringing this episode from across the pond, where it is bloody cold, (laughs) it's snowing, and we're looking forward to seeing some sun in the next few days. Yeah, fingers crossed. We're currently watching a game now, and it was heavily snowing, the game between Stoke and Fulham. Stoke are currently winning 3-1, but the snow was very heavy in the first half, it seems to have eased up. Anyway, uh, we are back. This is the second season of the pond. We're going to see how long this can last. <laughs> in theory, it could last the whole year because we're out in America from now till July 2011. July. Exactly. Oof. We have an 18 month visa. Or 2011. Or 2011. <laughs> what do we call it? The end it? of the noughties right now. The noughties has gone. What are we in 20 now? 20 teens. Tweet. We're in the teens. <laughs> we, have a, we have a new visa, which we're very happy about. I'm sure other people are very jealous. Well, anyway. D- well, nearly. I might have a visa. Yeah, he needs to go to the embassy tomorrow and interview. I get grilled by some guy in a suit. I was okay. I got away in one minute. So hopefully Nick has the same luck. Anyway, we're going to hit on the stuff that's happened in the year we just left, 2009. Obviously, it was an interesting year. The pond, The pond arrived on the world of podcasts. That's probably the highlight of my year, though. It was. probably was. I don't know kept us going. It did keep us going during our days of gloom when we had no money. <laughs> we kept ourselves going by talking about football. And Ian um, Dowie's checks. Yeah, yeah. Checks. <laughs> no more of them come this year. Checkmate. Checkmate. <laughs> Highlight of 2009, Nicholas. What excited you, or will you look back at 2009 as being your high point from a footballing perspective? I'm going to be um, really morbid and say that um, 2009 wasn't the best year in football in terms of me. Um, Celtic were running away with the league and um, in January signed Willow Flood and then ended up losing. <laughs> losing whenever, I, whenever I see Willow Flood's name, I just think of Willow, the film, oh, the little dwarf. It I just think horrible. of Willow. It was horrible, honestly. And then um, my other team, like Southampton, um, they got relegated and put in administration, like started the new season of minus 10 points. Now they've thankfully got um, Richie Lambert and he's banging in the goals. He's got more it's goals exciting. than nearly anybody in the whole of the U- Bit UK Bit of a free kick specialist. So. Oh, that's special. He's got a 20 on FM. Signed him up. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, Happy did, days. Yeah. I, I would as well. And um, no, I think just Galaxy done really well. That's probably the highest point. Um, Stoke staying in the Premier League and Hull staying in the Premier League. It just shows like what you could do in the Premier League. And obviously, um, you know, Liverpool getting second place in the old season I thought that was really good and only going through the season losing two games or like one game or something ridiculous like that mm. it just shows how dominating they were and how brilliant they were and how brilliant Manchester United were to actually win ahead of them so that's probably high points but mainly low points mainly low points and Scotland didn't qualify for the World Cup no and George Burley was wank yeah well we're going to talk a bit about Scotland's future later on uh my highlights, I've got a few. Obviously, firstly, Phil Brown saving Jimmy Bullard or women jumping off bridges. I think <laughs> it's important to go above and beyond in your job, and Phil Brown's certainly doing that. But from an on-the-pitch perspective, I thought England's performances in their qualifying campaign to secure their spot in the World Cup was very pleasing. 
considering how much we struggled two years ago to qualify for the European Championship. So, big up to Fabio Capello. Fabio's actually going under the knife. He's having knee surgery this week. So, he's uh, the first injured out going into the tournament. <laughs> so, Fabio's actually... At least he hasn't got a metatarsal. Exactly. Good luck, Fabio. We hope you come out of this uh, operation in fine form. Um, the Champions League final, simply because it was a footballing masterclass from Barcelona. And oh, it was they were brilliant. Absolutely yeah. superb. And I think they set the standard for the future in that competition because to be that good and win it it's going to set quite a high standard for other teams this year and I'm it's sure many people fancy Barcelona repeating that success yeah especially as Messi head, headed <laughs> headed in the goal with Vidic and Ferdinand challenging for the same ball can't was that also the day when I think people realised Spain are going to be unstoppable because Xavi and Iniesta absolutely dominated that midfield yeah and probably put on the best midfield display I've seen from a partnership in quite a long time. So that was probably one of my big highlights in Barcelona. Not just because they beat Man United, but the style they've done it. Because in the last few years, we've seen a few Champions League finals just not well, live up to expectations. The, the Chelsea-Man United game yeah. was pretty bland, but Barcelona had their way. And I'm sure Alex Fer- Sir Alex Ferguson, apologies Alex for not using the Sir in front of your name. <laughs> I'm sure he will look back and think that he could have probably played a Slightly different game. I remember Ronaldo playing up front, Rooney playing on yeah. the right side of midfield. It kind of handed the game to Josep Guardiola's team, but they are now European champions and looking on. And they're also the world champions. They won the uh, prestigious world championship, didn't they? How many titles did they won this season? They won, won every tournament they entered. Yeah. They won every one they entered last year. And it's right ridiculous. now they're probably on part two the exact same thing. So Barcelona are probably the team of the year. I don't think there's much doubt about that. And yeah, Lionel Messi got player of the year. He got the... Uh, What's that stupid name Palin, of that? that Ballon d'Or. Ballon d'Or. He won Palin the FIFA European Player of the Year or World Player of the Year, whatever it was. It was um, voted from actually yeah. the professionals themselves. I wonder well, who so. Cristiano Ronaldo voted for. Can you vote for yourself? Because I imagine he's would. the sort of player he would. <laughs> Apparently Nicholas Bentner voted for himself as well. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 2009. We don't want to... Because it was, as I say, it wasn't a World Cup yet, so there wasn't like much to talk well, about. We talk about World Cup and the Confederations Cup. That was pretty um, a big deal, especially with um, USA getting to the final and putting on um, a soccer master masterclass against the Brazilians. Yeah, and um, could have won it. So it was good for US like soccer for them to really appreciate the game and Americans love a World Cup. Yeah, they were even talking about the ESPN for like a week that they were going to maybe win the World Cup. I was like. Calm down. But <laughs> they did beat Dallas Spain, probably. so it gives us the uh, the rest of the world hope that Spain are beatable after that performance by the United States in yeah. the final, or the semi-final and then the final against Brazil where they were very unlucky not to come away with a win. You know, my favourite game from that tournament was when um, USA had to win 3-0 mm. and Italy had to lose and they, they just ended up winning. It was brilliant. Just the matter of that. I do remember seeing the first 30 minutes of Spain, New Zealand. And if New Zealand played like that in the World Cup, there's no point in them turning up. I think Torres <laughs> scored four goals in like 25 minutes. Nice. Ryan Nelson, great marking. Yeah. So that's 2009. <laughs> Anything else from that year that we want to talk about? What else happened? I don't much. No. Obama became president in the US. That was pretty big. <laughs> that was uh, massive. Thinking what else? That's probably one of the biggest things. The LA happened. Galaxy. Oh, the LA Galaxy got to the MLS Cup final. Yeah. They sadly lost on penalty kicks. Landon. Where Landon Donovan, who has today officially arrived in England, he had a press conference this afternoon. I missed it, but I'm sure he was speaking well of the English game. How do you think he's going to fare in the Premiership, Nick? Um, I think um, he's going to do all right at Everton. To be honest, um, his speed is going to be one of his biggest attributes, and um, his dribbling. But 
he won't have much time on the ball in this game. That's the only thing. But um, I think that he'll be um, he'll be alike to Andy Johnson when he was there. I think he'll be on some sort of similar sort of par. But um, I don't know. Um, Joe's been a wall, and um, if he's playing up front with Saha, that'd be a good partnership. Because mm. Saha's banging in the goals this season, and has been linked with Liverpool or Arsenal. Yes, that's one Which of the quite crazy because he's out of contract in the, in the summer. So, but no, I think um, London Donovan's going to do. Um, he's going to do okay, but he's not going to be one of the best players. Everton probably wasn't the best choice of team for him because they're not doing so well this season. Well, they are, but they're not. They're sort of like they're struggling. They haven't get, won they, many games. Yeah, but they just they just seem to be slowly just just developing behind the scenes. They're not really doing anything brilliant, and they've been in like had so many injuries. And Jack Rodwell's been the only sort of Glowing and the Russian type player from there. Oh, Billy Electon. Oh, that's a good effort. Billy Electon. So he is good. Well, Landon, we do wish you the best of luck. We know you're listening because we do know you know about this podcast <laughs> from our conversation at In and Out Burger in Torrance. So no excuses. <laughs> you should be listening right now. If not, well, just have to hunt you down when you get back to Manhattan Beach, and we'll find you in Sharkies because I know you enjoy drinking in there. <laughs> well, I don't think he'll be drinking much of um, the Scouse birds, will he? They'll he probably be. be beating him up. If only he's a right womaniser. Oh, really? He won't have much luck in Liverpool, will he? Will, no, know. definitely. Not with the amount of hair he's got. I know. <laughs> it? And the fact he's so short. He is. It? No, no woman wants a small man. Especially in Merseyside. Yeah. They like well, him big and broad. Look at Jamie Carragher. He's a real man. <laughs> Donovan's not got a chance. Well, biting apples and spitting them at hotel walls. <laughs> Real man. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, well, I'm sure he'll enjoy his time in England and we hope he proves to be a success in the Premiership before returning to the LA Galaxy at the end of March. And I'm sure so. they'll sign some washed-up player. Maybe Sol Campbell will come over. Yes, we should do a who will LA Galaxy sign as the washed-up player of the new season. Yeah. I'm thinking, there's Ferdinand out of retirement. Oh, no, he's, he's got a good um, job as the striker coach at Tottenham. LA Galaxy could do a Reds and Buddles <laughs> crying out for a personalised coach. I'll put, I'd happily do it for $60 an hour. Edson, give me a call. <laughs> anyway, we are now going to turn our attentions to 2010. Now, I think the obvious question is, what are we looking forward to this year? Uh, Nick, do you want to do the normal answer, or are we going to be a bit inventive with what we say? Because the obvious answer is that little event going on in South Africa. Yeah, no, it's got to be the World Cup. I'm really, really looking forward to um, the first um, game of England versus um, USA and that's going to be a brilliant one I'll be there um, but I'm sure we'll be there won't we Sat- Saturday June the 12th June the 12th 10.30 yeah. in the morning oh it's going to be a brilliant one nice break- a breakfast me- to start the game me you and Brian me you and Brian <laughs> Mr King we'll be around yours at 10 o'clock in the morning Christine needs to put on the eggs and bacon the traditional fire and then the day will continue no, hopefully we'll I'm really looking forward to that and I'm looking forward to um this first time I'm actually looking forward to the African Nations Cup as well. Which starts in five days' time. Yeah, so I'm mm. going to be like keeping like a little bit of an eye on that. Yes. I'm sure we'll do a report on it because, um, you know, I think it's the perfect warm-up for a World Cup in Africa. Mm. They're going to get all their squads together, you know, it's going to be it's going to be tough. That's why I said maybe an African team might actually do something. This I think there's a feeling one of the African teams will go far, whether or not it's all the way to the final, but I think definitely a few... Or at least one team will make the quarterfinals. At least I think that wouldn't be. But isn't Ghana too much. in the group of death? Well, them and Ivory Coast are both in pretty difficult groups. Yeah, uh, so. But I'm sure they will cause a few upsets, especially with Didier Drogba leaving the Ivory Coast attack. Well, Nigeria always good. Yes. Yeah. Show Lamiobi might be lined up front for him <laughs> if he makes the right decision. 
Cameroon. Yeah, Cameroon are always there and thereabouts. South Africa, they didn't even qualify for the African Nations Cup, so I don't know what state their team's in. So. Yeah, that was a weird system. I was trying to explain that to someone the other day. And how Angolo like didn't qualify? They obviously Angola. Yeah, Angola, <laughs> Angola, <laughs> Angola. Like um, they obviously they host the African Nations, but they didn't even get into the World Cup. So and they had to, co- to try and qualify for the African Nations Cup. Weird. My what am I looking forward to in two thousand and ten? Uh, it's hard being a Palace fan because right now it seems to be all doom and gloom. Um, what about New MLS season? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> great. Now I'm looking forward to New MLS season. I'm, I'm going to throw one out there. Uh, I'll, actually, I might talk about this later, but if, this is a big if, if he earns a decent money move to the Premiership this month, which is very likely and plays a good amount of first-team football with England's current striker crisis, I would put a pound on a certain someone going to the World Cup. But we'll talk about him later. I don't want to do a little piece on that. <laughs> who is it? I wonder. If you've been reading my Facebook or my comments ever, you know who I'm referring to. But my two rounds to attend the is World it Bobby Cup. Zamora? It isn't Bobby Zamora. It's Alan Lee. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 2010 should be good. The World Cup is on the way. But we're going to look back to the last month since me and Nick last done a podcast. There's been a few managerial changes in the Premiership. The biggest one coming at the City of Manchester Stadium. Mark Hughes went into the game against Sunderland pretty much guaranteed to not have a job the next day. And they still won the game and he waved goodbye to the fans and within one and a half hours later, Roberto Mancini was confirmed as the new manager. Now, he's made a good start, but was this a rash decision on behalf of the Man City owners or do you think they were right to get rid of Hughes at the time they did? Um, this is a tough one because there's um, obviously there's many arguments for and against. Um, you know, Mark Hughes was achieving his goal, which was obviously sixth place in the league. Um, he was doing um, relatively well. They were unbeaten in a long stretch of games, but don't forget a lot of them were draws. Yeah. So, um, you know, he was doing brilliant, but at the end of the day, the teams at the top were slipping and slipping fast. You know, Ch- Chelsea and Manchester United were losing games and drawing games so quickly that Manchester United have already, already lost five games, yeah. which is unheard of in that Premier League season. So, um, so... Is he really actually was he actually really doing that well? And he had the massive budget to spend. I think it was very unfair to not even tell him. He looked like he didn't know before the game, but especially at the end of the game, he knew. It, it looked was like he might have been told during the game. It was like he went in at half time and he was told, "Well, you've lost your job anyway." Because yeah. his his you know personality changed throughout that game quite a bit. The first mm. I remember when they came on the field, actually Fulham. We're just going to go away. Fulham have actually pulled another goal back. They're now 3-2 down the Stoke. The American so superstar. Clint Dempsey has just got a goal. So Fulham are back in it. Anyway, back to Man City. Um, my... Oh, that's a finish as well. Oh, what's a, a goal? Peach. It's hard describing a goal on a podcast, but Clint Dempsey has just scored. Probably a contender for goal of the season. He's absolutely scored a beauty oh. past Thomas Solson. Anyway, Nick, like back Eric to Man City. Neverland's working hard as usual. If you look at it from Mark Hughes' perspective, he didn't get appointed by the new owner but the new owner made a decision to give him a insane amount of money he must have spent over he did spend over 200 million pound in yeah, the, was, I think it was around 250 in million. the summer now if you give that type of money to a manager surely you've got to give him a whole season to see if he's actually been proven valuable of it because it did seem quite clear that City's ambition at the start of the season was a top 6 finish they were in 6th position when they decided to let go of Mark Hughes However, maybe 
performances from the other teams felt made Man City feel that they could actually push on maybe even further. Yeah. So as Mark Hughes actually lost his job, not down to his team's lack of maybe performances, but the other teams performing so bad that Man City thought, actually, wait a second, we got a chance here of doing better than we thought. Yeah, that's what I think. That's a, definitely. I think that because the the Premier League is, um, you know, it's such an open open title race this season, and yeah. like nobody seems to want to win. So nobody really actually wants to win the league. It looks like they're all like stuttering, and so that's why I think that um, Man City just pushed the panic button. And it was like, wait, we can win this this season. We have spent a huge amount of money. Uh, Mark Hughes wasn't getting the best out of any of his players apart from Bellamy and Gibbon. Which and is Gareth Barry. And I'm not uh, jumping on the whole they've got to be British contingent, but that is the majority of the British players playing in that team. Yeah. As well as Wayne Bridge and, and um, Lescott. The rest well, Wayne Bridge and Wayne Bridge um hasn't been playing well. No. Lescott hasn't been playing well. It's and that's the left side of the defence. Um Bellamy's been playing unbelievable. Um Colo Torre. Shaky. Yeah, he hasn't been great. And Nigel De Jong's been okay, like, but um, Stephen Ireland, who was their best player last season, wasn't even in the team no. because they were shipping so many goals there to play De Jong and Barry. Yeah. Barry's been playing well, mm. and then you know you look at Adeboyor, played well for three games, got suspended. You haven't seen him since. Yeah. Robinho doesn't doesn't want to play away from home and doesn't look like he wants doesn't to play. For, play right he doesn't now. look like he wants to even play for Mark Hughes because Mark Hughes didn't sign him. You know all these things were going against him. And so that's why I think... And Given's been their best player of the season. So they brought in Mancini, whose record into Milan was impressive on paper. It was uh, better than um, Sir Alex Ferguson's tenure at Manchester United, like um, win percentage. Mm. Or like the amount of games he's actually won is more than... But if Man City were looking for a top, top manager... Why did they go for Mancini? Obviously, he's got a great reputation in Italy, but a lot of people over there also feel that he's been very fortunate to win the three Serie A titles that he did. The reason being, one, he didn't actually win until he was given it at the end of the season after the, um, the shambles scandal. of the scandal yeah. involving AC Milan, Juventus and half of the Italian... The match-fixing Yeah, match-fixing scandal. One other title was when Juve were relegated and AC Milan were minus 10 points at the start, so Inter didn't really have much competition. And then the other title he won was apparently due to the fact that his team was just so much more inferior than inferior than anyone else's. So, is Mancini going to be able to deliver the sort of success that City are looking for? Um, it's hard to it's hard to judge at the moment because he's only had two really really poor games. Like he's a hole to play against in Stoke. I mean Wolves and Stoke. Wolves and Stoke. Was it Wolves? And Stoke? Yes, I know he played a home, ga- home yeah, game. Yeah, against... it was Wolves. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, it was Stoke at home, Wolves away, and then they also beat Middlesbrough in the cup. Yeah. So he hasn't exactly. So they've not... won three games out of three. Yeah, so it's not exactly like it's a hard. <laughs> it's not like it's a hard running. And Mark Hughes could have won all them games easily. Mm. Probably four, but... three, five, four. But yeah. well, actually, they won the Stoke game. What's the st- but it's good that they've been keeping the clean sheets. Mm. Which is which is what they need good. to. I think it's but, clear. Um, Mancini made it clear when he came, and they need to shut up, uh, shore shut up the defense. And he's already been linked with a few defenders in the. Um, not surprised. <laughs> um, <laughs> they need him, but um, you know it's it's an easy start for him. Um, he'll build on that success, and um, just fingers crossed, um, he'll do the business for him. But I think that they wanted Jose Mourinho, couldn't get him. They because he obviously wants the Manchester United job. Mm-hmm. We well renowned that he wants that after Sir Alex um, 
you know, ret- finally retires from the game. Yep. But I think he just wants to win one more title and beat Liverpool's record. Definitely. And then, then that's him gone. And then um, you look at it and Gus Hiddink, that was really the only other contender. Another, another big name. So they've sort of went for a name that's bigger than Mark Hughes because at least Mancini's won a couple of titles mm. where it's bigger than what Mark Hughes has done. Mark Hughes done a brilliant job with Blackburn and Wales, but did he win any titles? No. So, you know, well, I think he's a, he's he, is a, a, he is a sort of big name, but he's not a big name in English football. He but certainly he, looked he could make on it. the sidelines. He had his Man City <laughs> scarf. Yeah. He looked like a Mourinho with long hair. He looked very smart on the sidelines. The Italian stallion. But my other problem with the whole Man City situation was just the fact that... Gary Cook's a nod. It's just so... There's just so much unwritten. <laughs> There's this a lack of realism up there. I I just feel they feel you can put together a team just by spending money. Now, people say Mourinho done it, but Mourinho done it very, very carefully. He bought the right players at the right time. And I think if you ask Jose Mourinho who was the most important player he bought at Chelsea, he would say it was Claude Macalelli. Mm. Which brings on another interesting talking point regarding City. Apparently, they're very close to possibly bringing in Patrick Vieira. Do you think Mancini's looking at an experienced player to build the team around a bit like Mourinho done at Chelsea because it was obvious that McAlealy was such an important role in that whole team. Do you think Mancini's maybe looking to go down the same route? Because well, Mancini had um, Vieira. Vieira into Milan, so he, he knows his qualities as a player, he knows him, he's a fantastic defensive midfielder, mm. he's won the World Cup, you know, like, um, you can't argue with his credentials. Um, maybe getting a bit old, but I think Man City's the only club that can actually afford his wages. Birmingham wanted him, mm. but they couldn't afford his wages. Tottenham wanted him, couldn't really afford his wages, so maybe maybe that might be a blessing in disguise. A good move, I yeah. think. I would like to see him in midfield. He doesn't really need to do a lot of running. Makaleli, they'll have players around him that will do more work. Well, Barry's a workhorse, Ireland's yeah. a work. They've got enough players in that midfield who can do the, the doggy work in terms of moving the legs. Mm. So maybe and he can just protect that back four, which needs a lot of protecting. Exactly, <laughs> unless they bring and in the new defenders. Given he needs protecting. Well, that's another Because he is point. a fantastic goalkeeper. He's been outstanding for him. Yeah. If it weren't for him, they probably would be worse off than they are now. Like, but he's, he seems to play in front of like useless defences. Man City have conceded 27 goals in 19 games. They've got the, there's not a team in the top 10 that's got a worse defensive record on them. Which is pretty Manchester United have been cool. letting them in this season as well, though, haven't they? Yes. So, that's Man City. I think we'll leave it at that. We'll see how they progress under Mancini, especially when it comes to the... Uh, Bigger games against some of the bigger teams in the Premiership now. Uh, well, I, th- I just want to say good luck to Mancini and um, good luck for Mark Hughes finding a new job because the right one will come along soon because he is a fantastic manager and it was hard for him given all that potload of money and expected to do everything at once. So, you know, it was good for him to take it on. And the fact that he was an Man- ex-Manchester United player, like everything was, and the, the owners didn't even, weren't the ones that appointed him. He had everything against him. Well, Expectations were sky high, so... He'll get him to management. He'll be brilliant with another. Club. Well, if he wants an, a job in the Premiership, he could get the Burnley job. That looks like it's available. Um, Owen Coyle was today confirmed that he does want to leave for Bolton, who obviously uh, let go of Gary Mixon a couple of days ago. Which was annoying and horrific. How, what's your reasoning for that? Because Bolton haven't exactly been setting the world alight, and I know a lot of their fans are thinking that. Well, wait a second. Compared to our time on the Big Sam, this is a pretty lame team. Do you feel that Mexican could have turned it around, or do you just feel that they were pretty quick to? Well, 
what sacking? Sacking. Just they were very, very um, horrible to him. The fans, you know, horrible to watch. Like even that. <laughs> Do you know what though? I said at the start of them, the, one of the first podcasts, I was saying, oh, I like the way Bolton are playing. They seem to be changing their style of play. They seem to be playing a lot more on the floor than they were. They've got some good players at Bolton. You think Matty Taylor, Kevin Davis. I really like Cohen. You know, even though he doesn't get Cohen's got to mention. Even though he doesn't get he doesn't get massive like ratings in the sun, but I really like him as a player. You know, and Ricardo Gardner, who's been there, done it. Yusiaska Linen, greatest goalkeeper. Cahill, you know, um, Steinson, the right back. Yeah, I think it's obvious that they made a decision based on their league uh, showing they're currently in the bottom three, and they they were unbeaten in four though. And obviously, the person they bought in now. From a Burnley perspective, their fans are absolutely fuming. Uh, I found it pretty funny earlier watching Sky Sports News and the reporter outside Turf Moor didn't expect some Burnley fans to come up to the camera and say, you effing Judas, live on Sky Sports and Sky had to issue apologies and all that, which is pretty funny. Do you think Burnley fans have got a right to be angered or do you feel that Owen Coyle... Is this a step in the right direction for Owen Coyle? Because he was obviously linked with a Celtic job, which he didn't get in the summer, whether that was down to him not wanting or Celtic looking elsewhere. I think he rejected that one. He's now gone to Bolton. Is this the sort of job that he will take him in the right direction, or do you think he's probably been a bit rash in leaving Burnley? Um, well, I think that, um, I think it's hard because, obviously, you know, he's took Burnley into the Premiership, and um, he's done wonders with them. And the home record is unbelievable this season. Their away record's rubbish, but you know they're still in with a chance of staying up. But after next season, they'll probably do a hole, and then you know they'll be right back in it. And um, you know the training ground and training facilities aren't great there. You know the, the stadium isn't like really that. Oh, that Burnley's great. a very old-fashioned yeah. club. I've I've been there. Luckily, I've been there a few times. I've seen Palace play, and it's a very old-fashioned club. It's I mean, the problem with Burnley have got, and I think this is the problem that most clubs coming up have got, is that it's very hard to do more than just stay there. Now, obviously, Sam Allardyce proved at Bolton that you can push that club forward and into maybe a European spot like he did. And maybe Owen Coyle was looking at it like that because it's going to be very hard for him to do more at Burnley with the resources he's got. They've got a yeah. very limited budget. They've got one of the, they can't, the lowest budgets. They've got probably the lowest budget in the league. I think that's probably fair to say. They're not going to attract the type of player that he could probably attract to Bolton. Bolton, the parts have attracted some superb players. And yeah, maybe he can now bring in a new style of football, which Bolton fans obviously are desperately wanting to see. Cause they, they crave it, especially they, after Megson. Exactly. They want to see some good uh, football that's played on the floor. And there's no doubt that Owen Coyle will bring that into the club. But can he do that? and at the same time keep them up? Have they got the players that can no. adjust the Coyle's style of play? Not at all. That's what Megson played to the strengths of the players that he had. He spent £10 million on Elmanda, which was a waste of money, but except for that, he's bought very, very well. Mm. And even though um, the one that they've just got from Asia, Lee, like he's a, he looks like mm. a decent player, but they have, I'm annoyed because Megson done what was expected of him in my perspective, which was to keep Bolton in the league. Every season he kept them in the Premier League. And that's what you should expect from a team like Bolton. They're not the best team. They've got a lower budget than when Sam was there. Yep. Sam had a lot of money. He bought a Nelka, Special, for goodness. Yeah, and, they had a, and he had to pay for his wages. Their wages budget was and huge. And Nelka was a big fish in that small pond. And he's one of the best players that they had. And JJ Okocha, you talk about Hierro, Campo, Stelios... Yeah, yeah, they had some amazing players. Another interesting thing, because I think if you talk about Bolton's team now, the most effective player in that squad is Kevin Davis. In terms of week by week performances, he's normally yeah. the one that comes out with the 
highest rating, the highest performance stat, especially effort. in terms of winning headers, effort. Fouls. Is he, a, <laughs> is he an Owen Coyle type player? Because uh, Coyle, if you see the players he's playing at Burnley, he does like playing smaller guys up front. And is he going to adjust to using a target man or do we feel that he's just going to try and persist with playing nice attractive football on the floor, which in theory probably won't benefit Bolton with their current playing talent pool. Do you know that um, I think they play Stephen Fletcher as sort of like a target man at Burnley, so I think they could play with Davis maybe up front on his own, but you know, yeah, you're right, he does like them just like the more um, skillful players like yeah. Chris Eagles. Nugent, Nugent's yeah. much more of a ball player instead of a in the air. You know, so um, you know, it's hard and they have some they have some fantastic young players at Burnley. Mm. You know, whether they're all good enough to be in the premiership, probably not. But, you know, I just don't know. I think that it was a good it's a good appointment because he's a good young Scottish manager. He will do brilliant with Bowen, but I think it'll take time for him to put his stamp on it. And that's what Megson tried to do. He tried to put his stamp on it, but he knew that that was the only real style that they could play. And Bowen haven't got time on their side. They're in the bottom no. three. They're in a they are in a relegation battle. Uh, he would have kept them up though. Guaranteed you, Megson would have kept them up. Interesting. Well, on the, well it, because his record, he he could have easily kept that team up. He had like two games in hand when he was sacked, and he would have easily climbed up the league. Because if you win one, like if you win two games or one game in this league you move up like five spaces because it's so tight well we are going to talk more about the relegation battle in a minute well we're probably going to go on to it now uh, the other managerial uh, change on Sky they called them Harchester United in the Premier League <laughs> we called them Portsmouth they've got Avram Grant in um, it's mission impossible for him isn't it like that club is in absolute dire straits they are currently today still Unable to pay the players' wages for December, although they are expected to pay them tomorrow. But again, it's easier said than done. Trying to secure loans as well, all over the shop. They have still got the transfer embargo on them that they can sell players, but they can't even keep Jamie O'Hara on loan at this, this current. Yeah, point. I saw an interview with O'Hara coming out the training ground, I think it was this morning, and he wants to stay, but yeah. they're not sure if it's going to happen. Paul Smith have obviously got a lot of problems off the field. But the problem is they've probably got bigger ones on the field. We look at their team. They play great against Liverpool. Oh, it was on Boxing Day. Unbelievable. Boxing Day, they play superb. They showed signs that they can definitely maybe achieve the impossible. But, they're... but then just they me... fell apart against Arsenal. Absolutely fell to pieces. Avon Grant just wanted to shut up shop and try and stop Arsenal from playing. Their defending that day was absolutely yeah, horrific. But you, you know, you can't stop Arsenal from playing and you can't just shut up shop against Arsenal and they didn't really look like they wanted to go forward until Bell had scored. Yeah. Paul's and that was like really, really late in the game. I, I'm not I'm not too knowledgeable of what exactly the situation is behind the scenes apart from the fact they are literally no, they owe a lot of money to creditors and stuff like that. I'm and sure to other clubs. Other clubs on transfer deals. It basically sounds like what's going on at Palace right now. And I mean, the problem that Portsmouth have got is they're playing in a league where they're just not going to be able to survive. And also, I think from a Portsmouth fan's perspective, I'd be very worried if they go down because there's a sign of the sort of Leeds United type of feel about this because it's a great club. Great fans. Great, superb fans. Probably some of the best in the country. They'll always cheer. They'll always keep shouting. It does seem to be a sinking ship at Portsmouth. And it's a shame because the days under Harry Rennett were so good and... How he left, and then it seems to have gone drastically pretty wrong. It's the same with Leeds. Um, the days are like under David O'Leary, where he spent over his means, and then they could never recover. 
Well, we'll see what happens, but I think it's pretty clear that Portsmouth are odds on favourites right now to be relegated. Um, Which is a shame because I touted them at the start of the season to stay up. And um, I'm, do you know what? I think that there are three worse clubs than them. I mean, there are so three I, worse clubs. So I am, but I, oh, I just think that losing all their players to the African nations, that's going to hurt them. Six players go away. But I'm still going to, because I just want them to stay up. Not really because I feel that they stay up, but I want them to stay up. So I'm going to still say that they're going to stay up. I'm still On the plus side of Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth sorry, the uh, striker, uh, Frederick Piquion, he seems to be pretty decent. Where did they get him from? Um, they got him on loan, I think from Lyon. Did it, was he there at the start of the season? Um, yeah, he was there. What's he not been playing for? No, he was playing. Was he? I thought yeah, they didn't get Tommy Smith up front. No, they could not. Um, Piquion works his butt off. But um, he could not seem... He, just took him so long to score his first goal but now he scored his first goal he seemed to be adapting a bit hmm. better but he looked like he was just low on confidence and playing with the team he seems to create a lot of chances for himself hmm. because playing for Portsmouth you're not going to get chances handed to you on a plate no. that much you know even though they created a lot for Dindan you know and he, but he's going to be away anyway so and they seem to owe money to Lons anyway so well Lons have actually appealed to UEFA and FIFA to get Portsmouth put out of business so, yeah. so Lons pretty, are pretty uh, from frustrated from him and so. yeah because they owe a lot of money to certain clubs um, let's look at the other relegation candidates right well, now Paul Hart's doing well now isn't he he's got a new job at QPR but, yeah, yeah, so. he'll, well, he'll be out of a job in about three weeks while QPR get through managers so yeah. um, but at least he's found a job, job and Adam Grant good luck to you at the bottom of the Premier League obviously Portsmouth are there Bolton and Hull but close the Followed by West Ham, Wigan and Wolves. And then obviously Burnley, Blackburn and Stoke are probably also... And I'll say Everton as well. They're only two point, uh, three points off. Right now, where are you going with? Who are you thinking is going to get dragged into it? Are we going to see the three there now go down? Or do you see some big drop from one team? Um, if they appoint Owen Coyle, I think that Bolton will stay up. Mm-hmm. So um, that I think Burnley will drop out if, um, if Coyle leaves. I think Wolves would be dragged into it. Wolves are class. <laughs> you said Wolves are class, I don't think now. <laughs> I've been impressed with Wolves. I have to admit, I watched, obviously I know they caused controversy against United when they invested a whole team, but... I thought that was a good decision. By when they ended up beating uh, Burnley the following yeah. weekend with a very dominant display. So. But they haven't got players that can score. That's the only thing, like, Sylvani Banks, Blake hasn't scored many. Which I'm disappointed Kevin, by. Yeah, I know, because he scored a hat for in the championship. And then you look at, um, you know, you look at Doyle, he's um, he scored a couple. But, you know, they're not strikers that are going to create a lot of chances for themselves. They need someone to create some for them. Well, Michael Kitely hasn't been fit much this no, year. It'd be interesting if he gets all. fully fit for the second half season. And I think he'd benefit just the premiership to have a young player, English right winger. Mm. Because I know we've obviously got other players, but Kitely's a very gifted player. And it'd be good to see him play. Another club that Blackburn are thirteenth. How? I, <laughs> they must be the most crappiest team that aren't in a bottom position in their league. How how are they actually in thirteenth position? They I just don't know how they've done it. Like, they haven't been playing well at all this season, at all. But since um since Sam's heart surgery, they seem to seem to have picked up form a little bit. Well, maybe it was when well, he wasn't because, there. <laughs> yeah, it's because Benny McCarthy's Benny's actually playing a bit more. Mm. And I think that um, win in the Carling Cup against Chelsea in penalties, I think that gave them a bit more spirit and belief that they could actually do it. Just looking at the table, like Everton have picked themselves up, I think, with a win at the weekend. Uh, 
but they're still not completely uh, away. Um, West Ham are currently out of the uh, bottom three, but a lot, a big month ahead for West Ham. We're still not sure who exactly is going to take over the club. Um, yeah, that's a hard, a hard job for Gianfranco Zola. It looks like he's got to sell more players. Well, it's going to be and if he if he has to. The young players that come that come through are brilliant, but. They're not enough to keep him up. Well, Freddie Sears isn't. I can guarantee that. I saw Freddie Sears play twice when I when I come back, and he's one of the worst players I've ever seen. Absolute shocking player. Really, not all the hype. Absolutely appalling. Collison's good. Collison's very good. He's got injured as well. But West Ham. I saw their game off against Chelsea, and they uh, followed up with a good win against Pompey. Uh, mm. They got absolutely annihilated at White Hart Lane against Tottenham. Aaron Lennon tore the le- whoever played left back. They had spec. They Ayunga. had uh, Alunga then, and he yeah. got injured. They brought spec to on Lennon. Lennon tore him to shreds. But West Ham, I think, have got some good players. And I think everyone wants to see Gianfranco Zola do well. I know we've mentioned it in the past, but there is a real feel that we want Zola to succeed. And it would be very disappointing if West Ham get relegated this year. But again, it all depends what happens in the next few weeks. Because if they can keep Colin Cole fit, I think. Which has been a problem. Yeah, like, yeah. and Diamante's um, hitting a bit of form. And he seems to be scoring a couple of goals. They had a Nubel n- n- up front. On not Nova Newble, yeah, yeah, he was a, a kid at Chelsea, Chelsea who got released. He he looked okay against Arsenal, but I suppose he was rapid. So yeah, he's a bit, he's got a bit of speed. Him and Hines together. Uh, other teams, obviously, we we talk too much about Hull. I don't really want to cover them this year uh, today. <laughs> this year actually was give up on them. Uh, Stoke have just beaten Fulham three two, so that would actually lift them above Everton and Sunderland into I think Stoke, Stoke, will, Stoke will be fine. They'll be fine. Tony Pulis is superb. Even though they've had a bit of a bad run of late, you know, like Tony Pulis will, um, he'll get sorted. There, like obviously a spat with James B sort of um, didn't help things, mm. but so but they'll come out brighter for that. I'm gonna put you on the spot. What three are gonna go down? Um, it's gonna be Wolves, Burnley, and Hull. Ooh. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna give a reason for the last one. I'm gonna yeah, go for so Portsmouth. I'm going to say Burnley, I'm going to say Wigan. The yeah, reason why Wigan, Wigan are falling to pieces lately. They're away from home. They're just there for the taking. A bit like Burnley. And they're not picking up many points at home. I really like Mar- Martinez, but I think he's losing a bit of a battle there, unfortunately. And that'd be a shame, but I mean, Wigan are maybe... They started off the season so, so well. Well, but very inconsistent. And They've been very, very inconsistent. And there is a lot season. of rumours that your favourite man, I've just had a name blank... Oh, Rodriguez. Rodriguez could be off in January. There's a few clubs. If he's off, they'll get relegated. Mm. He is. There's been a few rumours that clubs are lining him up. Anyway, we're going to go away from the relegation battle, but I'm going to go for Wigan, Burnley, and Hot and Portsmouth. I wasn't surprised. I'm going to say Wigan. But in theory, I think that this uh, some of these teams are so bloody bad. Five teams should get relegated this year. I think Hull (laughs) and Blackburn should join them as well. Yeah, I think Blackburn should join them, but they won't. They have enough to keep them up. Yeah. Okay, let's go to the top. Arsenal got back into it, haven't they? Arsenal have got back My into pip. it. And the reason for maybe Arsenal's resurgence, is it not just down to them or is it mainly down to the fact that United and Chelsea have been, again, continuing to drop points over Christmas. United dropped points at home to Villa where they lost 1-0 and they also lost somewhere else, but I can't remember where. They lost two games in a row. I can't exactly remember where. Damn oh, it. It's a hard one, nice. But, again, struggling... Not playing that well, both Chelsea and United. Sure then they, didn't they draw one? They definitely lost to Villa. They may have drawn another, but again, I watched their game. We'll talk about their game in the weekend. 
Um, United are certainly not in great form. They well, they lost at Fulham. Ah, it was the Fulham yes. game. They lost to Fulham. They got absolutely um, counting at Fulham. Uh, oh yeah, the three 0 win um, where um, Skulls gave away the ball. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that one. So United, uh, Chelsea are top with forty five points. Played twenty. United have played twenty with forty three points, and Arsenal have only played nineteen, but on forty one points. Now, if Arsenal win their game in hand, which is at home to Bolton. They're one point. They're one point away from Chelsea. Which is tomorrow, which my friend is going to go and see. Oh, that's a big game. Yeah. If it won't get called off, it shouldn't though. North London probably won't be as infestive as with ice as other parts of the country. It's pretty built well, it's up. It's a newer stadium as well, and it's very close to the tube, so it hmm. shouldn't be. So, ooh. Chelsea have obviously lost Didier Drogba, Sam, Salomon Kalu, Essien, uh, John Logan Mikel to the African Nations Cup. Arsenal have lost... Song. Alex Song, which is a pretty big loss because he's been yeah, pretty influential very. for them this season. United haven't lost anyone. No. Alex Ferguson's smart. Will the African Nations Cup also. come and haunt Chelsea especially in the next few weeks? Um, maybe. I think that um, they're already sort of haunted already just due to the fact that they've been very inconsistent. But um, I think Daniel Sturridge will be brilliant. I think he'll be the one shining light. Same with the Kakuta. I think that both of them will play... And they play really well. Um, and Elka will be back, so up front they will, you know, they'll be brilliant. They're still a well-oiled machine in midfield. You know, you still have Balak, Lampard, you know, Deco to come in. Belletti can play so, them as well. And, Belletti uh, does play really well. Zirkov, Zirkov's been getting finally yeah. some games. Mm. So interesting so how Chelsea deal with. So it's not really a big mess. Really. They haven't got many massive games this month either. They're pretty against teams they'll be expecting to get wins against. Um, Manchester United is a harder one with the like hardly anybody to play in defence well this weekend they did see Johnny Evans return and also Wes Brown but saying that Wes Brown's performance against Leeds was one of the worst centre back performances I've seen in a long time and I've seen a lot from Matt Lawrence at Palace but <laughs> Jermaine Bedford actually tore Wes Brown to pieces so Ferguson will be desperate that Vidic and Ferdinand both get fit ASAP well he, he was never keen on Wes Brown playing centre half anyway Gary Neville was awful at right back as well because he, he, he always wants to play Wes Brown at right back because he knows he's not as you know safe for bet in centre half you know and um, yeah fair enough like I've just like fair enough he did play bad and United played bad but I think it was just because of the beauty of the FA Cup where Leeds wanted it more mm. and Jermaine Beckford has a point to prove he does he we're going to talk a bit about Beckford and a bit about yeah. one of the teams he could be going to uh, Arsenal I think Arsenal what you bring up earlier I think that Arsenal they have um, they have played fantastic, but the reason why they are still up there is because Manchester United and Chelsea have been playing so poor. But saying that they know that they're playing poor, but yet they've still got to get the results. And they have been playing some some beautiful stuff well, last night. Well, the winning, is, the winning is Villa. I think it was a, I think the 3 0 win was fantastic where they bought Fabregas and yeah. he got injured, but he came on and changed the game. But I've been very, very impressed with Aaron Ramsey the last few weeks. He looks a terrific and young player. Diaby. Diaby has been playing out of his skin. And there's, Eduardo's, you know, getting a he's got a good header. He's got yeah. a good header at the weekend. There's been, he's been needing that. But there's still a f- question that maybe they do need another forward. And oh, they definitely need Apparently Wenger has £30 million to spend in January. Whether or not he spends it or not, we don't know. He won't spend it. But he there is a word going around that he has got that money to spend. And it'd be interesting to see if he does go into the transfer he wants, market. He wants a Gignac. Gignac, the French forward who plays for Toulouse. Toulouse. Yeah, he wants um, yeah. Gignac and um, he wants um, 
He was linked with Saha very cheekily. Well, he's also he's an injury prone. They're also striker. one of the clubs who have been linked with a certain young striker who plays for my club, which again we'll talk about <laughs> in a bit. They're one of the thousand clubs that are currently want Sean Scannell and Sean. Don't <laughs> tout in and out. Go, he's one we need to keep. <laughs> uh, in fourth spot right now, the fourth, the most wanted fourth spot. We talk about Man City, but currently occupying it are Spurs. Oh, they can Spurs it up. Are we expecting that this year again? Yeah, of course we are. Spurs look pretty good. <laughs> Lennon looks on fire. Yeah, Lennon does. And Defoe. And Crouch. And Cr- Crankyar. How much yeah, did he cost? Crankyar. He's the signing of the season. 2.5 million. We signed Shefty Cootie for that much. <laughs> Crankyar looks unbelievable. Uh, well, signed signed Titus Bramble for more than that. <laughs> for Newcastle. Tottenham. Boom song. I do that get this feeling that this could be the year Tottenham get through. I, as I, long I as they buy a new defender. Well, Bassong's... No, Bassong's doing Someone to partner him. But he is... He's still there. He hasn't been called up to African Nations, which is good. That's a good thing for them. Losing him would have been a disaster. But, especially um, with Woodgate and you know, King. You know, who is um, injured, and he's out of the African Nations. But Bale, club. surely will. So, but Bale hasn't... He still hasn't won a... He hasn't started a game and won a game with Spurs. They've still got that statistic. Bloody hell. That, and um, right back, you know, they've got Corluca. Alan Hutton um, hasn't proved his worth there. Especially for eight million, you know I like Alan Hunt, but not for eight million. So um, he'll be on his way. So um, I think that they might even bring in um, Antoine Ferdinand. Really? From Sunderland, and they'll swap him for Alan Hunt. Interesting. Because Steve Bruce doesn't like him. The one player that's really impressive with Tottenham, we've talked about uh, the striker, talk about the wide players, but Tom Huddleston seems to have stepped up a bit this year because he was getting a lot of uh, flack because apparently he didn't have much of a. Um, uh, no, he's, he's, he looks at, he's a big built guy but he does That's make like base he's huge he was huge at 16 I remember when he played at Palace um, uh, against Palace what, at Derby, Derby when he was yeah. 16 he was huge but he's been very impressive and him and Pal- Palacios have got a bit of a good connection in that midfield and that's why Genus isn't even that's why Genus isn't getting a look in so. supposedly Genus um, is um, he's one of the most talented football players but he has no drive and that's the reason why he's he got it all already. Best. He doesn't need to play. He's got it. He's achieved everything he wanted to. He's probably got a hot girlfriend. He's got a nice car. And he lives in a nice pad in London. What else oh, can you say, ask? I wouldn't for? say girlfriend. A genius. Has he got a wife? Has <laughs> into he got a What? I think he's into men. Oh god, we just caused something here. Okay, we're moving on. We're moving on. We're gonna we're gonna Villa. We're gonna talk about Villa because one of our listeners, Andrew Parks, says we don't talk about Villa enough. Andy, what has happened to Villa over the Christmas period? They get spanked to Arsenal, then they somehow manage to lose to the most out-of-form team in the country, Liverpool. Um, That's a crazy Are they wobbling? Result. Are Villa going to start the wobble now? Um, someone made an interesting fact the other day. that, um, Well, not an interesting point, not a fact, um, that Aston Villa's tempo is so high and it's brilliant and it's breathtaking to watch. But when they get to the second half of the season, they run out of steam. Well, they did last year. And that, yeah, exactly. And I've, Martin set his team out, and may, maybe they, he needs a bit more reinforcement. Oh, they definitely. They have got a very la- they've got a severe lack of squad depth for Villa. But you say that last year they only used I think nineteen players in yeah, the whole season. But you say that, but they do have players playing there. They have like Craig Gardner who can't even get a game, and he's a decent player. Delph, um, probably. Is he, is yeah, Delph, the... and then um, that um, Delfonso. Delfonso. Sibwell probably doesn't even get a look in. Um, he well, no, he's, now, been play, he's been playing uh, more games. Because mm. before but, um, that, Coco's not even play. You know they do have players there that like, you know they that can play. But and basically he just changes like if he's gonna change make a substitution, he changes Carew for Heskey or Heskey for Carew. He doesn't change anything else. There's nothing else really to change about his team. 
Maybe you thought Delph would be more of a success this season. I don't know whether that was asking a lot. Delph's only nineteen. Yeah. He's no, a young. Think, yeah, yeah, but I think maybe he was thought he'd be a bit more of a shining light, a bit like Ashley Young. How more. much did Delph go for? I think it was six million. <coughs> Simon Jordan, please take note of that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Villa again. Uh, there does seem to be doubt they're going to again not not screw up because that's the wrong word because they, they they do incredibly well to stay in that zone of being in the top six seven, but. You do feel, again, they're going to maybe run out of steam, especially with the way Tottenham are going. And the last team we're going to mention, before we talk about, for me, the team of the season so far is Liverpool. They're not the team of the season, uh, but there's another team I want to talk about. But before we go on to them, Liverpool have shown signs that they're starting to pick it up again. Or are they? Or aren't they? <laughs> What's happening in Liverpool? They are so inconsistent. It's unbelievable consistent. Um, Gerrard was um, playing in one of the games. I think it was against Portsmouth. It just looked like he didn't want to be there. Neither Carragher or Torres that day. They, yeah. they, they, they looked like they were just bored. like, why am I here playing with him? Why am I here playing with him? Why have I got passed to him? You know, they just didn't look like they wanted it. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But, um, you know, I really think that it's hard for them. I think it's seriously, it's hard with their, you know, their squad depth isn't exactly great either. And then Benitez is coming out saying that he wants to keep Babel. Which is ridiculous. And saying, really oh. He's struggling. Yeah, and like, they're struggling for players anyway. And supposedly Voronin has been in, on holiday in America for the past two weeks because he's out of form. Voronin's coming to the MLS. <laughs> he's coming to Galaxy. He's going to be the new signing, maybe. Or maybe. Maybe, you never know. Or maybe New York Red Bulls. Mm. I think he was in New York for Christmas. But still, their striker, who they like, they obviously need a striker. Yeah, he's not brilliant, but like they still need someone. And he's on holiday. I don't think he's injured. <laughs> Just send him on holiday. When you've got a busy fixture congestion. You need players... You know, Ngog hasn't been playing like God. as brilliant as he was playing, but you know still. what? We've spent so much time talking about Liverpool. Let's just move on because it, it, <laughs> we can go on and on. They're underachieving. Simple. The team of the season so far: Birmingham. Yes. Walter here, here. Alex McLeishoy has done absolutely <laughs> the same people incredible job Ginger at Birmingham. Him. He's he hasn't exactly like bought in a lot of big name players to an extent of. What are you talking about? Well, You're bringing in the best players in Scottish football. <laughs> They're big players to me. Is that saying much? <laughs> well, they, they just brought in uh, workhorses, hasn't he? Really? We've got Lee Bowyer in the field fighting hard. Do you know the best one that he brought in? Yeah. Club captain Stephen Carr. Stephen Carr was out without a club. He was retired. Yeah, and he brought him back. He's been an that absolute really He's been a revolution for them. Revelation for them. Even though um, he's he, he's a bit dodgy in the box, he seems to pull and yank and handball and everything. He's Irish. But <laughs> so was Thierry Henry then, was yeah. it? But no, um, you know, I just think that you know that was a brilliant sign. And Lee Bowyer, it's so funny how they say the midfielder because he's a box to box midfielder. Like a midfielder should really be running up and down. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he's, he's an advanced a... midfielder. That means he can't run anyway. So you stick him up to the top and hope it gets to him. Or he's just a floater. A floater. And Barry Ferguson has been a very effective signing. Mm-hmm. James McFadden, he's got him playing as he always is. Larson's a super. I've always liked yeah, Larson. He's got a great delivery he's on him. He's come from the, the Arsenal School of Excellence, though. So yeah, and the best sign-ins as well. Roger Johnson. And Roger Johnson. Yes. And, and Scott Dan. Yes, Scott Dan's been very impressive. Oh, and Ridgewell's been... Who's been playing at the back? No, Ridgewell's been playing left-back. Oh. Ridgewell's been great. Yes, yeah, Scott Dan but from Coventry. Scott, Scott Dan, he signed, them, he signed him and um, Roger Johnson. From Cardiff. Yeah, and... He Roger Johnson was like five million, and you thought, "Whoa, he spent a lot of money on a defender like that." And that Scott Dan was like three point five, maybe four million. 
That is a good bit of business right there. And, and then Joe Hart. Uh, well. About to say, uh, Joe Hart... Uh, is Pushing he... his way to the World Cup squad, surely? He must be there. <laughs> With the current state of English goalkeepers, like, um, Green's James is still horrible. injured. Green's not doing great. Foster is in the game and looking at United, so I'm sure Hart's going to be on the plane. And there's a few people even starting to wonder if he's going to get a start mm. in one of the preparation games and maybe start the game against US because we're, well, we've already talked about England's we should borrow one of the US keepers. We should, there's enough of them. I'll tell you what, I will happily agree to exchange nationalities with uh, Tim Howard. I'll, I'll become American for the year and I can get a green card and then he can take me his passport. <laughs> and I'll play for the US if they ever want me to. <laughs> anyway, so Birmingham, we wanted to give Birmingham mention because they've done superbly well. They have and done very, very well. I'm really The final question before we leave the Premiership who is going to win the title for you? Do you know what? I'm still going to stick to my first season prediction, and that is Arsenal. Unfortunately, I've got to stick with them only because I feel like I'm right. But I know I'm probably wrong with this one because they won't last the whole pace unless they bring a new striker in. Mm. But if they can, all hell's going to go break loose because the way the form that that midfield's in, anything can happen. Arshavin as well. He could do it with Wenger. If he gets Walcott fit as well, you know, this could be a. I really, it, really want to say testing. Arsenal, but I again, I feel they, they just don't seem to perform when it comes up against the bigger teams. And I'm just going to go with United. I mean, they're going to take advantage of Chelsea's uh, well, lack, lack, of lack of Drogba in the next month. Uh, and once Billage and Ferdinand get fit, I think United will go on a run. You know, we are going to say goodbye to the Premiership for this week because we've talked about it quite a bit. And we're going to go down to the Championship uh, Obviously, at the top of the championship right now are Newcastle. Um, I think at the start of the season, people were closely looking to see how wrong it would go. They've been on TV <laughs> more times than EastEnders this year. I mean, every live championship game has featured Newcastle, and they're comfortably on top. Uh, Chris Hewton, do you feel that if they go up, they'll stay with Hewton, or do you think that that's where Mike Ashley will in- get himself involved in and look for a bigger name to take them back to the Premiership? I think that um, he will be the man to take them up. Mm. And I think that Mike Ashley's waiting until they get into the Premiership before he sells them. So if he does sell them, then new owners, new emphasis, um, they will change the manager. Think- I think that he will keep with Hewton because I just think that um, Hewton's the man that's gone there. Um, Hewton's the man that should really keep the job. But it would surprise me if he got sacked within a couple of games. Mm. That's what I, was I mean, thinking. they'll give him maybe a couple of games and then they'll do rubbish because their playing squad wasn't good enough to stay in the Premier League. Well, that's the thing. It's good enough to win the championship. but Oh, by was, far. Like, you wasn't. look at some of the players in their starting eleven, like Steven yeah, Taylor Cup. and yeah. Fabricio Conlacini. And Gutierrez. Gutierrez. We've got Nick, uh, Joey Barton. If, well, well Joey he doesn't Barton even play. They've got Kevin Alan Nolan, Smith who is the is top goal scorer. Alan Smith. Who still hasn't scored for them, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. They've got some very he's, strong he's players in the, especially the midfield Enrique department. Enrique as well has been playing really Enrique's well. Enrique's been superb at left back. Love and even even um, well. the goalkeeper, um, Harper, Harper he's, he was always a very good understudy for Shea Given. Mm. Uh, they, they may be lacking, obviously, a great striker. You know, Amiobi's been very hit and miss that, well, in his whole career. He's found a bit of form this year, but he hasn't played that much, believe it or not. He's been injured it's a lot. Yeah, he has been injured. I know they're trying to get Marlon Hayward back in on loan, but I don't know if that's happened yet. Um, Marlon so, Haywards is another um, another striker that if he's on his game he's brilliant and if not he just doesn't want to play but if rumours are very true Newcastle do want to sign Jermaine Beckford that would be an excellent signing where do you stand on 
this because I've got a real issue with the fact Beckford is very big headed. I know a few Leeds fans and they're very adamant that when it comes to the big game he disappears. Obviously, yeah, he did score the winner at Old Trafford on Saturday in the Cup. That's probably on Sunday, sorry. But he fell apart late in the playoffs. Well, this is the thing they played two in the last two years. They made the playoffs and he hasn't turned up at all. Do you think that he would be jumping ahead too much by going to Newcastle? Because the chances are they're going to be in the Premiership next year. He's basically going to go from the best striker in League Two, where he gets a League One side, getting a good probably four or five chances a game. So playing for Newcastle in August, where they're in the Premiership and maybe creating five, two chances all game, and the chances are not everyone's going to come to him. Is it going to be a leap too far for Beckford, or do you think he's got the ability to play at a high level? Um, if he leaves in January, then that'll be the time where he should leave. He shouldn't even like if he's going to go to Newcastle, go in January, mm. because then you can find out can you cut it in the Championship. If you know, if he waits till the end of the season. And he goes straight to the Premiership. I do think it is a massive leap. The strikers that have done it, you know, and I remember when um, John Stead first signed for Blackburn. He was brilliant, he was, for them. But then he sort of to fade away. You know, so he might be a instant hit and then sort of fade away. You know, you never know. But I think that he should move in January so he can get experience of the Championship first yeah. before going to the Premiership. Definitely. So I think that is a big leap. But at least Leeds look like they're going up as well. So, if not, he's going to be playing championship football next season. Oh, absolutely. If shit, they yeah. keep hold of him, but he's not going to sign a new contract. Well, he's out of contract, which is probably one of the... Um, That's the reason why they, reason might, why they might have to cash in on him. Um, but would you cash in on your best striker, or would you keep him to the end of the season and then, um, and then actually get promoted? That's the thing that we're talking about. If Leeds lose him, they might lose all his goals. Yes. They might not get promoted to the championship. Okay, well... So that's a... That's a big talking point in itself. Should you re- like Simon Grayson's on about just keeping him? Mm. Simon Grayson wants to keep him and just get promoted. Yeah, well, it's and an in- they don't care if they, he works in a free. It's an interesting discussion because the one we're about to go on now is one very close to my heart. Um, what Preston? Preston, that's not Preston. <laughs> As many of you know, I'm a Palace fan, and we currently probably got, in my opinion, the best young striker, not just in England, but in the whole of Europe. Victor Moses is. Finally starting to live up to his potential. He's played the last month and he's been by far our most effective player. He's been linked with, I think, every club inside the top eight in England. Vic, uh, Barcelona rumours to be interested as well as Roma. Now, we've got financial problems. Well-documented financial Well-documented. We are going to have to cash in on him. Obviously, I, it's hard for me to ask you. I've seen Victor a lot. Do you think that clubs are going to be willing to pay the sort of money on a young English forward now as they were maybe two or three years ago? Or do you think the current economy is going to have an effect on a team like Arsenal paying five million for Moses, whereas two years ago they happily done it for Ramsey? Like, do you feel that Palace are going to get the money that they feel they deserve for Moses? Um, I think they probably won't get the money they deserve for Moses just purely for the fact is because they know they're desperate for money. Mm-hmm. So they won't give them. They might give them um, a deal with add-ons, which is great, but they need this cash now. Oh, well, we need it tomorrow. Yeah, we, we can't you pay need for it this. now. So it's just like, so they're going to capitalize on that because at the end of the day, football's a business. Well, I'm going to say now, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to put my head on the block. Whoever gets Victor Moses, they've got themselves potentially the best striker England will see in the next twenty years. He is the most incredible talent I've ever seen play for Palace. And I mean, people say, "Who have you seen play for Palace?" Yeah, I've seen. 
Ian Wright. And Ian, well, Ian Wright, I wasn't there around the right days, but I've seen um, Matt Janssen, who was an incredibly gifted player when he came to us. Lombardo was one of the best players who's ever played for Palace. But Moses is a step ahead of all of them for me. His ability to, to be a defender is... I, don't, I haven't seen an English player who can do that. Rooney, he, he, Rooney can't do some of the stuff that Victor can do. Rooney's got other parts of his game that Victor hasn't, but they're so alike. And I really feel that if Moses can get the right move now or in the summer whenever he goes, and it does look like he's going to go now just because we're, we're seriously desperate for cash, he's going to be an incredible signing. I would love to see him go to Arsenal. I think he'd suit perfectly under the Wenger philosophy and he would develop at a rapid rate there. I don't want to see him go to Tottenham simply because I don't think he'll get playing time. And I don't ha- think um, Crystal Palace have a great relationship with Tottenham. Well, no, after the, bo- well, the, thing, after the boss dot thing, and also Redknapp's not got the best record of developing young players. He's not great at nurturing them through the first team. He's had no. a few failures, so I kind of hope he don't go there. But we'll see. But I'm just bigging up Victor because he's probably played, he probably will this weekend if the game goes ahead, play his last game for us before going. And the kid's an incredible talent. And, Do you and even talk of him going to Wigan as well? Liverpool. Liverpool, Liverpool need him. Him and Tor- he, he would be an absolute incredible partner for Torres. Torres would get t- more goals with Moses because Victor can play just off and the way he runs at a defender, you can't stop him. He's, he, he's, a, he's an incredible talent. Well, I think if he's going to go anywhere, I would like to see him go to Arsenal or Aston Villa. Yeah, and that Villa's another one that a lot of Palace fans would be... I think, it's, I think is this the first time where I've ever been involved with a Palace transfer in terms of a sort of fan where we're actually backing him to go we know that he needs to probably move on progress. progress he needs to like he's playing in a team right now that he's carrying us and the kids just turned 19 that's a big ask but he, he's carrying us pretty well he scored a contender for me for goal of the bloody century oh, the well, other one against Barnsley against Barnsley um, well, and well, he, he's a just a superb piece. player and I have been accused of going over the top for Victor Moses but I'm going to back it up because I think he's going to be that good and if he doesn't go it's a, it's a big ask saying Fabio Capello to call up a complete unexperienced player, which he probably won't, but Victor Moses will be in Euro 2012 playing for England. He'll be starting, absolutely no doubt, unless he gets injured. But the kid's on the way to being one of the best players that England have produced in the last 10 years. So there you go. Uh, also in the Championship, and Alan Irvine left Preston. That was a dodgy decision. I was pissed off with it, to be honest. I, uh, I, I kind of want Preston to suffer, a bit like I've done with um, Ferguson with Peterborough. I know Preston was struggling, but he, he missed out by two games last year in Premiership football. They lost in the playoff semis. Like, yeah. they're sacking him now. It's ridiculous. That's like the whole squad is like, you know, the whole squad is under his mentality. You know, and um, they they have a very, you know, a very small budget there. A very small playing squad. They can't even fill the bench most times. Yeah. You know, they really are like. You know, lacking in players' investment. So, why does the chairman sack him? Because he's what? He's not going to be up there again. Like, this teams like Newcastle, Middlesbrough, you know, West, West Brom, Brom that are coming down from the Premiership. You're not going to get ahead of them. No, no matter what budget well, you have. The thing, uh, the th- I mean, there's a lot of clubs in the Championship need to get realistic. Like, for once, Palace are pretty much settled on whatever happens on the pitch. We're going to stick with Warnock unless he gets taken away from us because. He can't do any better than he's got. You've got to take into consideration the budget, the squad he's got. And I see the same for Irvine at Preston. Also, uh, Brian Laws at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, that was a hard one. Who's going to want that job? That club's in absolute turmoil. I suppose Uh, the Shearer wants it. I can't see him taking that. 
Uh, obviously, you've got uh, Peter Burke got rid of Ferguson earlier in the year. And at least they've given a chance to a good young manager. But look, what's Cooper. he done? They're not. They haven't even moved off the bottom. <laughs> that, well, that was um, like that was unrealistic. Very unrealistic to move off. Considering the what he's done for the club before that, you know that run of results. Yeah. Uh, it's, it it frustrates me because I don't see how this how young managers are going to be expected to progress at the standard of some of the great foreign managers we've got in this country or the Scottish managers. Because, let's be honest, the two best managers in this country right now have had jobs for more than 50, 10 years. Both yeah. like, Ferguson's been in the job for nearly 20. Wenger's been around for been... 14. When did he get? Yeah, 1997. He's been around for good, nearly, good nearly 15 years. So, yeah. you know, uh, it, it's just very disappointing to see clubs giving up on their manager so quickly. But unfortunately, that's the pressure of playing in, well, the top leagues in the world, which the championship is in Phoenix. It's one of the highest supported leagues and there's obviously a big prize at the end of it if you do end up going up. So it's very disappointing to see clubs just giving up on their managers like they do. Especially Alan Irvine, though. He was the assistant to like David Moyes. You know, he knew that he was with the club, you know, even before. He'll pick up a job know. easily. Absolutely easily. If, if we did lose Warnock to someone, I'll take Alan Irvine with a shot. But hopefully we won't lose Warnock. The one team in the Championship, though, that is flying and overachieving considering where they were last year, is not Nottingham Forest under Billy Davis. Yes. Is Billy Davis the most trying to keep it calm manager on the planet? <laughs> they like go 15 games unbeaten. He's like, well, I'll still take a mid-table finish. It, he must be thinking, oh, wait a second, we could maybe just achieve this. Because they're, they're storming ahead. Like, this. I look at the teams in the playoffs with them. Cardiff. Newcastle and West Brom are going to go up. You've then got Cardiff, Swansea and Leicester. If I'm a Forest fan right now, then the teams below, like Middlesbrough aren't nowhere near. We're, we're closest to the playoffs than Middlesbrough, and we're, we're not going to get there unless we end up having a multi-millionaire take charge of us. Is it a right for a manager to say, I would rather go up next year? Because let's say, for example, if West Ham go down, if a team like Wigan go down, now these are teams who have been established in the Premier League for a, a year, a few years now. Yeah, they're going to have bigger, but they're going to have much more money than the others. So they're going to be able to bounce up. Do you think, like, if, like, do you think Billy Davis is doing? Is he doing a good job at keeping the pressure down, or do you think he's playing a bit of a stupid game because he doesn't? He's not bigging up their chances at all. Or is that good management? I, I don't know. He's, he's done it with Derby as well. He's trying to not let the um, let all the fame get to the players' heads. I think mm-hmm. because he has a very very young squad. Uh, um, Nottingham Forest. The Great only, um, squad as well. Yeah, the only um, like really experienced players he has is Dele Adebola and Paul McKenna. Yeah, and um, you, they are fantastic well, servants it, of the game. One thing I'm going to quickly mention: you mentioned McKenna. Alan Irvine was expected to continue to do such a great job when he loses arguably his most creative player. Uh, you know, it, again, it great signing yeah. for Forest though. He's been yeah. absolutely superb. Brilliant signing for them, but. Yeah, it's hard on Forest have got money. Hard well. on Irvine, but yeah, Forest have got money and they they're, buy they've they've been, buy the best players. Maybe it was Gareth Bale. Maybe it was a four million pound move with Gareth Bale. I'm surprised they got Nicky Shaw on loan. Great, and uh, um, you know Paul Anderson, who um, used to play for Liverpool. Is he there still? They yeah, find him on full time. Brilliant. He is. Yeah, no, he's um, um he's that um they have um Dexter Blackstock. And David McGoldrick, who used McGoldrick, to play for both um, Southampton. Southam- Southampton players. They've got Lewis McGugan, who's... Yeah, he's brilliant, brilliant midfielder. Brilliant and, um, you know, Wes Morgan in defence, he's not a bad defender either. Good young team. And Lee Camp in goal, who's um, a good young goalkeeper. He was I, at Derby as well when they went up. But I've, I think he's just trying to play down the chances, just to say, you know, here, I will hold it a minute. We're not going to 
you know, we're not going to let it all get to our heads, you know, we'll just continue on this run. But he can't choose and pick and choose when he's going well, to go Well, this is up. the thing, and I think he's going on what happened at Derby, because they, they, they went up a t- year too early. But again, you just feel that with this Forest team, they've got a good, good lot of young players, and they definitely have a better, you know, budget and infrastructure than Derby. Mm-hmm. Derby got a great stadium, but behind the scenes, the club's a shambles. Forest have got themselves back to a decent level on and off the field. So maybe Forest could be the surprise uh, promoted team in the championship. Maybe. Um, well, he did say that they were good, they're good enough to go up, but they're not ready to go up. They'll make the playoffs. That's his quote. They'll make the playoffs. But trying to predict who's going to go up in the, prim- in the championship right now is apart West Brom and Newcastle should go up automatically and then it's just up to the other teams to fight it out. Uh, we're then going to move, we're going to move one league down and then we're going to go north of the border and then we're going to say au revoir to you or bonjour as Del Boy was said. <laughs> that is a bad joke that half the Americans aren't going to get. Basically Del Boy, uh, I'm not going to go into it. I've never made it. Everyone thinks now I think bonjour means goodbye in French. <laughs> it doesn't. I do know that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, let's let's reminisce the high, my highlight of 2010 so far. It happened Sunday afternoon. It happened at Old Trafford. And it was the look on Ferguson's face when he started moaning because only five minutes of injury time were given. Goodness. And they lost 1-0 to Leeds. That was a dreadful performance for Manchester United, wasn't it? Appalling. And... and um, People are saying to me, oh, you know, um, how did Leeds win that? Like, that's Manchester United, you know? I mean, like, he put out a team, like, oh, did he rest all his players? Well, he put no, out a team. No, he, no, Rooney started, he started yeah, Berbatov. My funniest moment this was, I was chatting on Facebook to one of my friends, and I was saying to her, man, you lost to Leeds. She was like, I'm confused. I was like, they lost to Leeds. I'm confused. I thought she meant, why are we playing Leeds? I was like, oh, they're playing in the FA Cup, blah, blah, blah. You know, she said, I'm still confused. Like, I was like, why? She said, how did we lose? I was like, you know... Alert to Man, you know, a little warning to Man United fans: um, don't ever take the cup for granted, which was proved this weekend. Leeds, like Leeds, could have won that game three 0 They had they hit the bar with a great free kick from a young player who came on. I can't remember the name of, and then Beck from no, he's with S. Uh, oh, Shodgrass. Yes, he Shodgrass, came on and yeah. nearly scored a superb free kick from about thirty-five yards, and then uh, Beckford missed a superb one-on-one uh, to make it two 0 as well. So they could have they had two good chances as well too. Put an even more incredible um, sort of display on, but yeah, yeah I just wanted to big up Leeds. We're not. We've always away, you know. I just want to big up Leeds. I thought that was a superb performance, and to win at Old Trafford, like especially in the cup, it it, it brought back a bit of magic because the cup was lacking some. Well, it lacked a lot of things at the weekend. Yeah, the fixtures weren't great. Nothing really went on. Well, we won a ship on Wednesday. You know, they've even said since ITV have had the FA Cup rights, they haven't had a great fixture. So for them, it's good to for them to get that, you know. No, I was happy. It's good for Leeds. Leeds brings about the magic of the FA Cup. It does, and Leeds have got Tottenham in the next round at White Hart Lane, which will be an interesting game. Mm. But I know Leeds fans are absolutely dreading the thought of Aaron Lennon coming up against them. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Anyway, well, that was it. Good on Leeds, and we're happy that you're. Yeah, they deserve a bit of luck. Cause they've had a lot of bad luck the last ten years or seven or how long they've been. That's why I love the FA Cup. We're now going to go north of the border. Hold yourself, brace yourselves. We're about to enter the depression of Scottish football. (laughs) At the weekend, two major things have happened over the last week in Scottish football. Well, first, you're going to focus on the big one, the ding dong, the old firm at Celtic Park took place this weekend. Celtic went into the game, I believe, seven points adrift, needing a win. Desperately needing a win. They didn't get it, but they should have. That's the the way Celtic have been playing all season. 
They create numerous chances. They're brilliant, but nobody can put the ball in. Well, they got the back. goal. Uh, McDonald got the goal. Yeah, and when then he came on. That's... Ten seconds later, they went up the other end, and uh, um, McCulloch. McCulloch scored from yeah. a header. From Stephen Davis's free kick. Um, then uh, George just Samaras nearly scored. Well, it was Al- McGregor's save from Samaras's shot in the last minute. It was one of the best saves I've seen yeah. this season. Do you think that the title race is over now, or do you still think there's a chance? Because I know they've got a game back at Ibrox in, I think, in the beginning of February for Celtic to make up for that. But do you think it's gone now? Title's going to be Rangers, or do you think there's still a chance that Celtic can pull it back? Um, I think the Celtic are playing. Um, they're playing good football under Mowbray. They're playing better, lot better football under Mowbray than they were playing under Strachan. Easily, but that defen- doesn't surprise me. The defense has been horrible all season. Um, they have no. <laughs> they might as not have a defense, honestly, because their attacking play is unbelievable. It's so good to watch at times. Samaras actually really impressed me. I love Aidan McGeady. Aidan McGeady's brilliant. I really like him. But he slows down the tempo of the game. All every mm. time he gets the ball, he slows down the tempo of the game. And he can beat a defender. And he will beat. But he goes back and he beats the same defender five times. Palace had a player called Tommy Black. I'm not comparing the two, but he was like that. He was at Bradford on mm. loan. But no, um, they. They play. I thought they played really, really well in the game. But Rangers, Rangers didn't want to like, didn't want to. They didn't want to attack. They didn't want to lose the game. They were happy to just sit there and draw. I have know? to admit, it was. And they, they only Rangers only started playing when we scored the goal. And then they got the goal, and then they just sat back again. It wasn't the best game I've seen. Care. One player I want to ask you about. I, I didn't. I said I watched this game. He played well. Was the young Spanish guy they got in midfield? Prochash. Yeah, well, he came Prochash. from the Barcelona school of uh, brilliance. Uh, he came through the same time as the likes of Fabregas. Is he a player that's impressed this year? Or um, he's a player that's been in and out of the team. Yeah. He's a player that um, gives away the ball a lot. Yeah. Like you saw in the um, the derby. Um, he he his passing range is brilliant, but he tends to play most of his passes in the air. Really? Yeah, and um, so like, and he tries. He always tries that pass. He tries that pass to try and break in the defence. Sam Allardyce would love him at Bolton. Then that's why he gives away the ball a lot. But he is. Um, I I really rate Crochet, and I think he's a good player. And Guermo is like a poor man's McAlady. But um, they've been playing all right together this season, um, especially the last um, like couple of games. But you know, I just wish that we could defend a bit better because you know they got Gary Caldwell. Gary Caldwell's shot. <laughs> Hinkle's not bad. Fox isn't as good as um, he was for Coventry. Yeah. Stephen McManus isn't as good as he was a couple of seasons ago. Mm. And Glenn Leuvens is brilliant. He played at the weekend. He in was the the air, like, um, But he's horrible. Cool like, normally he's got really well and good in the air, but horrible on the ground. But he just I, seemed to be horrible in both. I just watched. I, I remember, like, even when I was a bit younger, when old firm games were on Sky. They have magic. It was just something about that one just. Uh, there's no one out there that made you go wow. Like Celtic Rangers have always traditionally had one player that makes you go wow. Well, Larson was at Celtic for so long. See, Gazza was at Rangers. Like, yeah. there's no Alberts. one. Alberts. Like, there's now no one who's making me Loudrup. go wow. There's just no real inspiration. The guy they got up front, like the partner for Samas, that uh, for, yeah, Mark Antoine Fortuna, who was alone at West Brom. He he, he isn't brilliant. Oh, like he, he was their he was he was their big summer sign. Five million, I know. I tell you what, could have bought Victor Moses. You could, we? yeah, you probably, you probably gone for cheaper. You mean twenty times a player, uh, so. But it's it's crazy. I think um Mowbray um hopefully gets given the time because he really is doing wonders with he's that a squad great because the squad isn't great, and he's even publicly said that this squad's rubbish. <laughs> he's basically come out and said that millions of times. I'm gonna sell, I'll and, sell and we're missing our bed. 
big players and Scott Brown and um, Scott Sean, Brown. Sean Maloney as Maloney. well. It, it, but is a Celtic in a position where they can throw money at reinvest, like rebuilding? Is mm. it there? Yeah, we actually have more money than Rangers because Rangers are that being run so by the bank. <laughs> Rangers ain't got a penny. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, they can't even sign a new contract for Walter Smith, Ali McCoyst and Chris Boyd. They can't afford neither of all of them. But um, no, we have got a bit of money and we probably will go out and spend some. Mm. You know, but hopefully, we'll, I would like to see us um, sell Arthur Boric because I don't think he's a player, the goalkeeper they used to be. Oh, really? And getting some money for him. Yeah. And I also think for the development of McGeady, I think that I would like to see Celtic sell him and just cash in on him. He'd just be taken by a pretty good ch- yeah, like just United get, were linked with him a year or two. Just ago, get the like, money for him. Be, just get the money for him because he is a brilliant young talent. But um at the end of the day, you know, he'll play hopefully European football with us. He probably won't play Champions League with us next year. No. I don't think we've got I don't think any Scottish teams have got a chance of getting in there next year. But well I'm guessing whoever gets into the Champions League will have to go through probably the first qualifying stage by that's the looks of it. And, that's gonna and be you harsh. can get some rotten yeah. trips to God knows where in Europe and mm. be unstuck. So I think that just cash on in him, get the get the cash. Mm. You know, we have Maloney as a similar sort of player anyway, so well, we're going to move on to an even more impossible job in Scottish football. Craig Levine <laughs> has left Dundee United and taken the job at Scotland. He's now the Scotland national coach. I don't know, we could probably get jobs with Scotland right now. We probably could. Because they're changing the whole youth development of Scottish football. What's the weather like out there? Horrible. I'm not having it. Yeah, exactly. But... You know, they want to change the whole model of Scottish football and Craig Levine's a big pusher of that. To. to be honest, how, how many days of a year does he actually work being Scotland manager? Well, I was pretty surprised he left Dundee United now. Like, he probably surely could have kept the job until the end season then gone because they've got no games. The only thing he's got to do is go to a meeting for the Euro 2012 qualifying draw and just sit down with a bunch of other managers and talk about when they want to play the games. Like, surely he could have kept the Dundee job at the same time. I think that they want to get started straight away and I'm sure they'll have a little training camp where people can meet up. But no, I think I am agree with you. I think why didn't he just do it to the end of the season? Because they, like, they had a good chance and now they've just fallen apart. Well, they, they got smashed yeah. the other day. But, but they, he's changed the whole of their infrastructure at Dundee and they'll be introducing some good players in a couple of years. Mm, so well, it, They'll see the benefit of it. It's hard to predict what sort of job he's got until we know who they'll play in the um, qualifiers. But It's going to be a hard draw. It's going to very, be like, very I guess yeah, I guess Scotland are probably ranked in the third or fourth seeds. Probably. In their fourth seeds. So they're going to come up against probably two or three, three pretty strong <laughs> teams, which would be difficult. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. We do. I, I wish Craig Levine all the best because it would be nice to see Scotland qualify Definitely. for a major tournament. I think tournaments need more teams from Britain. Well, Especially we, as we only get England and Republic of Ireland sometimes. Well, Republic of Ireland haven't qualified since 2002, so yeah. they've gone missing for a few years. And Scotland's last Wales performance was in 98. Yeah, Wales haven't qualified. Wales don't qualify. Northern Wales, Ireland. How long? Yeah. Don't think they haven't. You know, don't think nobody's qualified for anything. So. Is that. Like, last five minutes. Are we falling way behind in this whole country, in this whole. Like, Britain as a whole? Is it. Are we? Is it lack of youth development? Because our national teams suck. Apart, from, like let's be honest, there's a real lack of young, promising players coming through. Like there's a, you look at some countries who are producing young players with the click of the finger. Look at France, like some of the young kids they got coming through there. Spain, there's not many of them in Britain in, in general. Like Rooney, we talk about Lennon. I can't like Ramsey, 
Scott, I can't think of one Scottish player that's making me go wow, wow, wow. Uh, they were talking about John Flack a couple of seasons. Yeah, Flack. I mean, the only no, the only real top player in Northern Ireland to come through last year is probably Johnny Evans in terms of being young and really up and coming. But there just does seem to be a lack of it. It gives us hope that we get jobs in the future, but we may not want to work here. So. No, definitely wouldn't want to work in England just because it's very like clicky. It's just like if you're an ex player, you get a job straight away. And well, this thing because Paul Merson actually on um, he had his beans on toast as he always says on Gillette Soccer Saturday. That's his catchphrase. Really, eat the beans on toast, Jeff. <laughs> Merson was saying um, he actually criticised the standard of coaching at youth level in this country, saying we're just not producing good enough uh, coaches. Do you agree with that? That's because most of the best coaches are in America, aren't they, surely? I think they are. I know, I, obviously I know it's easy for us to say, but a lot of young English coaches go out to America to get experience. A the lot? reason why is they're not giving us chances. A year per company or something. About, I bet about 2,000 soccer coaches go to America every year. Yeah, and they have probably got the... A lot of them have got the philosophies that need to be inputted at clubs that are desperate for it. Because hmm. a lot of clubs just have got no structure to their youth development. Anyway. Then, I just think that um, you know the lack of um, money that the government's been putting into facilities and stuff like that grassroots needs serious investment there's so many untapped areas you look at um, Devon for a starters there's a massive untapped area down there you know there's so like you know we need a national we need a new national academy in this country yeah, like, definitely. I know Glenn Hoddle's got his one but that seems like Spain how many kids can afford like, well, I think he takes them on but a scholarship yeah, but, yeah, still. It's probably only a, a select few players. Like, we need a national academy where there's seven or eight of them, one in each major city across the country. You've got an academy where players can come for a week of uh, just training or go there with their teams or whatever. Just a place where you can learn the fundamentals uh-huh. where they're not getting it. Because I, I remember when I was a young player, like I was not taught the sort of stuff that I'm teaching the kids now. And I'm not saying I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the best at teaching that sort of stuff. But I know that when I do that stuff with the kids over in America, they're all going to come away knowing how to do it. I never even got taught it, and that's not criticism of my coaches because my dad was one of my coaches. But that's just because there wasn't the standard of coaches at grassroots willing to do it. So maybe we need to completely refigure the whole youth setup up because apart from academy academies and like there's there's 92 clubs in the country. Only half of them have youth academies. That's a real lack of opportunities for young players. So a lot of players may miss out, and uh, it's just a shame. I remember like playing them for like my university teams and stuff, like that, and playing against other universities. And you see the amount of talented players that are there, and you're thinking, how they miss out on them? Yeah, like, I know people... and the players that and the players that we play with in America with the coaches. Where's that? They've missed out on talent like that. Like how? Well, this is how do players like that get out? Like get out of a people grasp? argue to that saying, well, they weren't good enough. They're not as good as professional players. I'm not saying I know exactly how good they have to be, but I've been to enough games, and I can assure you that some of the players I play with in America are much better than some of the players coming in the Palace squad. I can absolutely say Technically, they're so much more gifted. If someone tells me that a certain coach that we play with, although they play different positions, is not as good as Matt Lawrence, <laughs> you know, I'm not having it. I'm not having it at all. But again... But it, even, it's an interesting discussion. But even with um, do you remember when Sky Sports won? No, Sky won the other night. Their football star, yeah, that thing, which is brilliant. It's brilliant right. that you're going to see someone get a professional contract. Well, I guarantee you that although only one player will get a contract at uh, Milan or Inter Milan, a few of them will get picked up by lower league teams because of course they will. But, like, they but one of them that's just probably a shoe in is Anthony Gardner's cousin. 
particular quality. Yeah, he did. How did someone not spot him? You know he's a cousin of a Premiership footballer. One thing I thought was great as How well. How do you not spot him? One thing I and noticed. The street striker thing. Jermaine Beckford's brother won the first Rooney, Coca-Cola Rooney Street, Coke Zero street striker. Going back to the uh, football, you know, the football stars one where about the Inter Milan. One of the Inter coaches said that the first day when they'd done the uh, the uh, like the road show and they were doing like kids coming from all over the country, he said our oh, kid turned up in glasses. You know he's gonna be bad. A kid in glasses made the final ten. He looks fucking brilliant. Striker. He's up flipping. He's, he's up like a fox in the box. He's bangs him in all over the place. Which, but you know, I mean, them sort of shows are good. But I mean, we just need more of them in general. Just not yeah. even TV shows. Just more where you've got yeah. kids coming and getting to see them. Every summer there should be an, a, a real massive road show. A bit like they do in America, where scouts can just go and watch every kid in the country, assess them, see what they're at. Because you, you might find a, a you know a jewel that an unhurt and you know. A diamond in the rough, so to speak. Because um, I'm actually, um, you know, um, coming from Devon, not many pe- people get picked up. Like, one of the best players I've coached, um, he um, went on to play at Plymouth Schoolboys, but now he's playing cricket at mm. the highest level, and he's playing like in the adult team, and he's only like 15. Oof. Yeah, he's an unbelievable sportsman. But there's another player who, um, uh, just an older age group who played for the same youth team. He's now be, he's now in the um, under-18s at Bristol, being a goalkeeper. Yeah. But he moved from Devon when he was younger, and now he's got the opportunity. Mm. And it's just like, you have to move to get an opportunity, and you have to move somewhere to get an opportunity. Whereas there's these, these diamonds in the rough everywhere. Yeah. It's just people aren't picking them, and because of the... You know, the new age of computer games where kids aren't playing football in the street as much as me and you did. No, they're not. I played football all the time. Same here. I didn't get that good, but I still played. I played every day. Brilliant. Anyway, we are going to... That is it for the week. We've had a good long show to kickstart the year. Uh, Our next show will be... Fingers crossed everything goes well for Nicholas at the London Embassy tomorrow. We'll be bringing our next... We will be recording our next show back in Los Angeles, California. And kiss, kiss FM, eat your heart out. Yeah, we'll be at the studio where we'll be living the dream again. Um, we hope you all had a fantastic Christmas or Hanukkah, yeah. depending on and New Year. what is your celebration and New Year. We hope you do, you behave sensibly, you didn't drink too much, <laughs> you uh, were a civilised person in your society. I hope you got some good prezzies as well. What was your favourite present? Um, and I thought um, getting the Gordon Strachan book for a quid was quite cool. <laughs> Gordon <laughs> Strachan, all book. No, my mum did buy me the, um, the World Encyclopedia of Football, which is actually really, really interesting. Really? And um, so I'm going to use um, a couple of uh, things out of it for oh, the, my yeah. player profiles. That'd be good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, so I was, I'm always thinking about the podcast. Oh. And um, I got a nice necklace from my mum, so that's pretty cool. It's I'm the not... same as my tattoo, so it's pretty It cool. is, actually. I noticed that. Yeah. just noticed if you pointed to it. Uh, <laughs> what was my favorite? I like my beach towel. I've got a new Palace beach towel, which I'm going to be sporting in California, because I feel that Palace needs to sort of be branded elsewhere in the world, so I'm trying to make us an international mega club. Not just in Baltimore. In just Baltimore. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, well, my final word goes out to anyone with any money. <laughs> if any of you have... Any money whatsoever or know of anyone who wants to invest in a football club... Come on, Bill. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Bill. If anyone's listening, please send your money or send a letter to Simon Jordan at Sellers Park, SE25, because we are bloody desperate. (laughs) Me and Nick are off to watch a bit of TV and then just enjoy the rest of our night. It's it's, it's, it's late. We've had a late night. Well, technically, it's only 2.42 and... America. Oh, no. I haven't changed the time on my laptop. No, nor have I. Anyway. Be smart. But um, 
take care people and i'm sure we'll see you in the new year we'll be with some more fresh episodes we'll have an every episode this um you know this year thankfully we'll actually get back to the good stuff um sorry we missed out on the episodes later in in last year um it was due to thanksgiving weekend and um a successful turkey tournament by um the palisades kids that they've done excellent and um, just a vigorous scheduling for um, all-star tryouts and all-star picking teams we were busy basically pissing off a lot of people so I know and we're still waiting to hear from those we pissed off yeah so um, we'll get back in the big time and then um, we'll get back to you and we'll hopefully give you an update of actually how our teams are doing so that'd be pretty cool and hopefully we'll get some club jobs soon and then Bob's your uncle will have um, we'll actually you know be all-star coaches and run a whole youth development program and then um, we'll send them over to have five years of soccer in the UK and they'll be and as good as Victor Moses they'll be good as Victor Moses anyway guys <laughs> bonjour or au revoir as I should be saying <laughs> we will speak to you soon bye